Turns out he's a major cinephile. They don't watch enough movies! It's a very simple formula! And here we go. Well, I am back on the podcast airways. Wherever you're getting this, me talking at you more instead of like an audiobook where they're more regaling you with stories. You know, look, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you get your podcast content, which you should definitely be sharing with all your friends and family, this movie staple podcast. And look, I'm here to talk about some more visual media today, tonight, or whenever you're listening this, time zones and all that. We're going to talk about movies, specifically one movie. Do you want to know what it is? It's going to be The Invitation. That's right. We have vampires, ancestral DNA things, a bit of romance for all you lovebirds out there. In modern times, it takes place in the English countryside. Doesn't that sound nice? So let's check it out. It's going to be the newest look at a vampire movie and how this movie decides to give us our vampires. Not counting that Jamie Foxx Snoop Dogg one, which I really do need to see on Netflix sooner or later. I've been talking about... Some of those streaming service movies I got to get to that, and I still can't believe I haven't seen Prey, but we'll get there, I promise. So, with this one, uh, normally I go, you know, actors first, and a little bit into the plot. This is going to be a short actor roundup. I pretty much know none of these people. The immediate draw, which is going to sound crazy to some people, is seeing Sean Pertwee, who maybe you don't know who that is. You know, in this one, he's uh, another British butler with a bit of a bad attitude. You may recognize him first appearing, for me this was at least the case, in the underrated, very underrated Fox show and Batman prequel story, Gotham. If you can get past the most, like, procedural kind of villain of the week first season of that show, it gets better, you know? It's some of the comic storylines, some of the characters they bring in. I think it's a good show that both he, Ben McKenzie, and a ton of the other actors made good work out of. Outside of that, the lead, of course, is someone who you're probably also familiar with in Natalie Emmanuel, and maybe you may not know her by name. Um, Look, it could be from the dumb but fun action car movie franchise, Fast and Furious. It could be from the Army of the Dead prequel movie, Army of Thieves, which I think more people should probably see as well. Or, most importantly, especially with the Game of Thrones prequel, House of Dragon out, and all manner of fantasy TV shows in the forefront with Amazon's The Rings of Power, she was in the OG Game of Thrones. This was uh, Missandei, who was uh, Daenerys' like, advisor, right? What a show. I'm in the rare camp of, while not loving how the show wrapped, yes, the Rush storylines were... Sad and miss, as well as the king at the end, was not who probably should have been the king. Uh, but overall, really like that show. But we're not talking about Game of Thrones or the fantasy genre as much as I'd love to. Just been binging through a lot of those Lord of the Rings extended editions on uh, HBO Max. Working on Return of the King, trying to figure out how to skip the Shelob scene. Because you know me, spiders the biggest houses, not my bag. But let's not talk about something that's actually my biggest irrational fear. And talk about something that's... Not that. <laughs> it's vampire things and the imitation. Now that's out of the way. Uh, what's in this movie besides whatever I told you? Well, I was kind of in, you know, a bit of a funk and needed to once again see some feelings. And, well, I kind of was in a bit of a funk once again. Needed to see some f- different kind of feelings, scare some feelings into me, give me that sensation overload. And 
I don't know if this was necessarily going to do it. I didn't think it was, but that was kind of the hope. And maybe it was the same mindset and I was in the same vibes when I saw a black phone, which that was a good one. I had a bit less faith uh, accepting the invitation this time around, but there I was, me and like one other person in the theater with this movie. Uh, and look, I've been rewatching and just initially watching a lot of vampire content, maybe consuming more than you would think. Rewatching uh, Dracula 2000 with Gerard Butler, uh, the Castlevania animated show on Netflix, and more. This movie was pretty much, in short, a hyper-sensationalized, cautionary tale of Ancestry.com. It's not called Ancestry.com, but we know what it is. Uh, And look, my mom loves Ancestry.com. I'm sure many moms uh, are for sure about that life. But hear me out. What about being related to a vampire somehow? Makes you think twice, doesn't it? After Game of Thrones, you never know who's related to who. Uh, especially in the new prequel, House of Dragons. So I didn't know uh, what sort of relation uh, to the vampire people that this Ancestry.com knockoff was going to bring to our main character. But, you know, let's discuss and find out and reflect together. If you've seen this, hopefully you have or listened to the episode. But, so I've seen many vampire movies of late, including the ones where either James Woods or even weirder John Bon Jovi hunt them down. There are so many different vampire rules to these things not unlike the quirky notion of every variety not unlike the quirky notion of every variety of zombie ever like do they go slow and more uh, scares exist when they're in a big herd of a group like in the walking dead where they will never use the word zombie or are there smart ones like army of the dead who can kind of communicate and pick stuff up and do all that and well with varieties of zombies there are many varieties of vampires that exist too sometimes there's zombie vampires that kind of blend together a little bit mostly they're this sexy variant that exists in some semblance of societal power sexy vampire lady from resident evil village uh the society of them in charge in that movie i like way too much and speak more about it than i probably need to uh blame willem dafoe in it he's my he's my guy uh daybreakers Or some sort of horrible, spooky version uh, in that movie that gives me pause to live or visit Alaska 30 days a night. So what are we dealing with here in this vampire movie? Well, for the most part, this is your pretty standard, sexy vampire man who is vaguely European, this time English, who can look like a spooky vampire at times, but pretty much he's a sexy vampire man. No sparkles, no uh, Twilight kind of stuff going on here. This story does take inspiration instead, especially in the look of things, from classic gothic fare. The HGTV fan in me was freaking out about the cool aesthetic and gothic backsplashes we know about HGTV. Backsplashes are critical to really making your home sing and give it that little little extra spice to it. But the big advertisement for this movie was that it took inspiration which is such a vague concept, but that's what they said, from the OG Dracula story, Bram Stoker's novel, which was published all the way back in 1897. I know that should be old as fuck. I love me some roaring 20s to roaring 60s music, but that might be older than even I dare to go. And you could get lost in that for just six shillings. Pretty reasonable, if you ask me. So, to this movie instead, it starts off fairly spooky enough, I do love a good early jump scare paired with a fake out, and this movie got me good. So often our vampire people men 
And normally they are the leader of, is it either a coven, a brood, or something like that. You get the gist. But having this woman try to escape an aggressively NFL player check this version of Alfred the Butler from Fox's Gotham, Pertwee, before hanging herself with some strong-ass wire. This was a hardcore start to some dark stuff. But from then, if you, you know, came into the movie theater a little late, you know, you missed the trailers, you missed that, you were going to the bathroom, get your pretzel bites or cookie dough bites, whatever strikes your fancy. Instead, you get this lighter side of horror movies, and they always have to start off fairly bright and happy enough, the ups and downs of a, of a tale. If they start happy, they probably have to get not so happy, and if they start unhappy, they probably have to get a little happier. Um, that's just the rules, you know? And eventually, things will get spooky and horrible if things start off, uh, you know, everything's right as right at the beginning. And in this one, we get a down-on-her-luck Emmanuel, who has really been working her ass off to make it in New York City. Modern-day NYC, that is. It is worth knowing that even though a lot of this movie takes place in a gothic, you know, timeless mansion, this is a modern-day story with cell phones and all that. And, of course, an ancestry.com type website. And if it were not for one innocent enough DNA test, the whole of this vampire society would pretty much collapse and come crumbling down soon enough. How weird is it that... Our lead gets messaged almost immediately after the results of her looking for some family out there to ease her loneliness. And it happens like that. I mean, yeah, being lonely sucks. That part I can relate to. Not with the whole family side, but, you know, love them. Hi, Mom, if you're listening. Uh, But the dating app woes are strong in Wisconsin. But this knockoffancestry.com should not be giving out info like that to people. You should be able to make the first move, kind of, uh, you know, like Bumble. The person who is looking for their family should be able to make the first move, not the other way around. Um, now, the assumption is the software uh, does not... Uh, now, the assumption is the software does not work like this in this world, and the vampire cabal uh, just has deep-seated connections in every aspect of the world. That's how I saw it, at least. So this call to action, this chance to see some cash money in her alleged family connection and the opportunity to make some, you know, hand-to-hand, heart-to-heart, interpersonal connections to ease her sense of loneliness in this world. You don't want to just feel like a plastic bag blowing through the wind, as Katy Perry once said. And, you know, with this chance to ease all that, we're off to the seaside town of Whitby in the Scarborough borough of North Yorkshire. Whitby is a little under a five-hour drive from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where the Green Bay Packers will take on the New York Giants in a Week 5 NFC showdown. Be there or be a square. And of course, you could also watch it on NFL Network. And the game and action kicks off at 8.30 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Sports read over. That takes me back to the ICTV sports anchor days, as well as my on-air career at UMass, calling all manner of soccer, lacrosse, and field hockey. I don't think I ever did a a softball. That's probably the one I was like, oh, man, I wish I had done one of those, but it was not in my cards, I don't think. Long story short, uh, back to vampires and sexy vampire people. Uh, once we get to uh, the mansion in question, it's all very cute. You know, very uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. People forget that movie exists, and Matt Smith's in that, too. Not as good as Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, but, you know, it's up there for our historical fiction parts. So, um, 
look, it's a it's a tough stuff goes on in this mansion. You know, it's it's very regal and by tradition. So, you know, there's some treating wait staff not great, which, you know, look, they deserve some much deserved respect. And you know, Emmanuel is all too keen to note this with her previous experiences we've seen working in the service oriented field and and jobs. But you know, she looks past that not fully, but she you know she kind of gets a little smitten as sexy vampire man played by Thomas Doherty. Never seen him before, but he plays the charming vampire well, you know, and it's a nice story. It looks all the settings, right? If you ignore the vampire parts. There's a spot in this vampire movie early on where the invitation could feel more like an invitation to one of those Hallmark movies where the Christmas tree farm man falls madly in love with the businesswoman who's always working and never has time to enjoy the little things like toasting a single marshmallow or feeding the local ducks in the pond but throwing caution to the wind after some clear red flags are flying fast and frequent they fall madly in and out and back in of love until it turns out that the Christmas tree farm man was actually the king of Christmas and the founder of the concept of email and now they live happily ever after and fly off on a pair of majestic reindeer. If you like that pitch, Hallmark, let me know. I would love to sell the idea to you. Tis the season for Hallmark movies and all that, starting to air way too early on October 21st and going all the way till December 18th. What, you couldn't get to December 25th? Come on, Hallmark, be better. Uh, or so my mom has told me that's the schedule, at least. But with all the romance, fireworks, pageantry, and long, passionate bachelorette-type kisses or conversations about taking someone away from all the hardship and love overcoming all in this movie, something feels just a bit off. And obviously, you saw the vampire hanging scenes and all that. But even if you take that out for a second and you know what the movie is, you can tell something's not quite right. You know that going into it. And if you did not... The first vampire hanging escape scene would have to flash in your mind, which this movie does start with. But you are just waiting for the disaster and reveal to happen and slowly uh, discover the creepy ambiance in this spooky-ass house. Or mansion is more apt. Now, the whole idea is for some fancy wedding to happen, which we never really do see a bride and groom. Weird, right? And we're seeing, like, you know, these maids with numbers getting hunted one by one by some vampire person. Like, we all know who it is. The question early on is not, who is a vampire? We know one for sure. The question is, how many people people are actually vampire people? This could be a whole household of vampires, except for maybe that one guy we saw in the beginning. Because we're going to assume the daylight thing is a thing, I guess. Although it's definitely not in this movie. Actually, that's weird, yeah. They don't play the daylight is bad vampire thing, because I swear we see him during the day i think now i'm thinking back about it a little bit i think the rules mostly they just can't leave the house but i'm pretty sure i've i'm pretty sure we've seen him in daylight at some point i don't know how i'm not remembering that now but i'm pretty sure that's a rule that they're like eh that's okay after this this movie has a fun enough blend of scorned lover drama with all these bridesmaids whimsical enough pranks uh like i don't know sucking the blood out of someone's finger and having vampire people run amok on the canopy bed top classic pranks and all that scary stuff this movie is not like the scariest out there by any stretch 
no creepy nun demon ladies like The Nun or The Conjuring 2, and no spiders as big as houses like every fantasy and weirdly some sci-fi things I otherwise adore. But the big relationship drama, of course, was discovering this guy performed a background check on her. But this sexy vampire man, uh, you know, he can figure it out. Somehow it's not a bigger deal uh, that this happened. And you'd think this would be the end of the rapport and the relationship. But somehow his powers as a wordster get him out of this and they end up shockingly hooking up. Never has better wordstering been done since Shay convinced us all it wasn't me. Probably the scariest part of this movie comes after that for this supposed rehearsal wedding dinner. Things turn less Hallmark movie, less... I don't know, let's let's classify my Hallmark movie as maybe like the Divine Pine Tree pairing. I don't know, that sounds a little... I feel like Divine kind of works with the Royal Pine Trees Christmas, you know, pairing alliteration. That's not terrible. It was my best attempt at coming up with a title for my alleged Hallmark movie concept. Might have to ask my mom for some brainstorm help there. She's the expert of us. And instead of that happy romance, the true nature of this vampire version of it's like a combo of i'd say ready or not or get out i think it's a bit more ready or not which was a really unique concept and execution for a horror movie that catapulted matt bettinelli oplin and tyler gillett to the future of the scream franchise as well as their leading lady in that samara weaving is going to be in the sixth entry of the franchise as well assumingly she's a killer she has to be it's just like when we saw uh, Jack Quaid. You kind of knew it in one. The movie said it, and we knew it. Also, let's not forget that somehow there will not be uh, Sidney Prescott in this movie. They're not paying Nev Campbell the money she deserves to be in these, and that's a travesty. She's like the main face of it outside of Courtney Cox and David Arquette. You kind of have to have three, and you killed off one in the lore of the movie, so it's crazy you don't have uh, Nev Campbell back. I, I don't know. It's a travesty, and I really hope this gets alleviated and she'll somehow be in it. I just don't see that coming, sadly. But this movie goes wild when this marriage is, of course, forced and like they cut a maid's throat, and all these people, well, only three, but three feels like too many for this instance, start pounding down this blood into their gullets, like me back in the day with some surprise cocktails, and everyone's like cheering along. That's crazy. Random cocktails, the official cocktails of Nick Nack Goes to the Movie, the podcast you're listening to right now. When you want to mix up life, just go to your you know bar if you're of legal drinking age, your restaurant, and say, hey, I'll just take out whatever. Surprise me. You never know what you end up with. It could be fun. It could be bad. More likely not, you'll have a fine enough time. Throwing that out there. But in this movie, you know, there's some, I'd say, blah, blah explanation of these Three families need to donate a daughter so this guy, uh, this vampire guy, can have some, you know, whatever balance of power with these families. And then the sexy vampire man can have three wives. The logic is thin at best here, and it raises some questions. What if the only relatives left were men? Could this vampire lord be potentially bi? Like, does he just need a body from each three, or do they have to be wives? And, you know... This balance, is it so important that it's worth, like, the whole Empire legacy? Or is is this just some greedy guy who wants three wives because that's what he wants? Somehow, I think he is just a little bit greedy and kind of an asshole. And he just wants to have three wives because he wants to have three wives. That's just my assumption. But it seems like the vampire patriarchy is strong with this one. 
Now, this part of the movie is both a sprint and a repetitive drag somehow. An escape attempt here or there. The action and suspense of dead bodies is all good and well. But I feel like it loses stake seeing her run around and escape to get the leg up once again before getting captured again. By some cute and kindly looking old folks to end up back there at this forced vampire wedding. It's just, it, it's like, I don't know. It's just so eh, to be at times. Uh, and three reasons she ends up accepting becoming a vampire lady. But not to succumb to the patriarchy. Instead to almost immediately try and topple it from the inside. And I like this notion that this vampire guy is so used to getting his way. That he's blindsided by this like this concept that someone could ever be like, nah, that's I'm good. That's okay. Very funny. Uh, Emmanuel takes her newfound vampire powers to burn that SOB and stab him a bit. Not killing him, but getting a good start to it. Now, she does make a dent in his infrastructure and his two brides. I mean, they kill each other and have a vampire lady fight that ends in a draw. Nil-nil. But once again, it's unclear, but I'm pretty sure uh, this guy does not need all these vampire ladies in his club. Club? Squad? Yeah, let's go with that. Witches have covens and vampires have squads. And if you don't believe me... It's not posse, it's squads. You can spend six shillings and read Bram Stoker's novel and learn from that yourself if you really want to fact-check me on that one. But look, this vampire guy, too, is lonely. We're all lonely, but maybe stick with one vampire bride with consent? Thank you very much. Sheesh. Not like, sheesh, sheesh. Like, sheesh, Louise, am I right? There's a bit of racism in the vampire club, too, mixed in with the sexism, because of course there is. But there's just another thing that the vampire-powered Emmanuel can take down because she's a badass boss lady who topples the patriarchy, taking out the butler, the bride, she helped at least, and of course the main man himself with a good drop kick into the fire that the Spartans would be proud of. I did not go into this movie knowing it, but this piece is really about a woman taking down the patriarchy, finding herself, um, and... You know, there's just a vampire set dressing around it. This movie is a feminist work of art, perfect for spooky season, and the end has a fun epilogue that she's not done with her Eat, Pray, Revenge tour. So, I can dig it. Now look, I enjoyed this movie, but I gotta be true to my letterbox ratings and reviews, and I think we'll give it a 3 out of 5 stars. It's fine, it's fun. I don't know, there's some parts where it drags, but is it an expert movie that's on top of the AFI top 100 films of all time? No, no, it's not. I think it's good and has some good messages and it's good for spooky season. I can dig it. I can dig the invitation. And six is about that. I'd watch it again. Do I need to? No, I could. I don't need to. I'm not going to watch it all the time like Lord of the Rings. But I think the invitation's fun. You know, that's the episode. And look, I said, there's some interesting takes on vampire lore. And the classic gothic architecture are great. And of course, most importantly, this movie is tackling the patriarchy. I don't know if this movie will blow you away. But there's something to be said about this feminist anthem piece, which feels empowering enough, you know? I was feeling it, and I'm a white dude. But I was feeling it. I was feeling empowered, but it's hell yeah. Hell yeah, taking out the vampire patriarchy. And, you know, honestly, at times it's just, you know, it's good to have a fun time at the movies. You don't have to be blown away by this yeah i thought a little bit about it but it wasn't like the deepest thinker in the world and you can go to the movies either with your friends or by yourself in a near empty theater like i did with this one there's something that's fine about just going to see a movie that's just fine especially if it's for five dollars on marcus theaters on a tuesday 
then it's definitely fine. So yeah, I think you can go watch it. And let me know your thoughts on this on social at either knickknack underscore IC or knickknack movies on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and everywhere else. Letterboxd, of course. I want to know if this movie inspired you to tackle down the walls of the patriarchy, vampire or otherwise. Well, that's all for me. So cheers. And as always, until next time, cinephiles. Are you not entertained? I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I don't like goodbyes. Let's just call this, see you later, alligator.